Hello, 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 and welcome to the last and final episode of this book, The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Klassen. Uh, we've picked out the book for the next series, but this in this episode, we will do a conclusion of this particular book, uh, which for me personally was an incredible journey, not just because it was my first reading in a kind of public setting and in a way where I hopefully could help some people uh, in in finances, in um, sorting out any sort of money issues that they have in life to think about it more clearly. I know that this book and, and Klassen, George's Klassen, the author of the book has, has certainly given me some insights which I can use for my own day-to-day -day, uh, life. In this episode, we will just go through chapter by chapter what exactly were the lessons that we learned or the takeaways from each chapter and um, can sort of consolidate this entire book into a nice episode i will try not to extend for for long periods because i know the last episode was fairly long and, and i don't want to make that a habit um so we started with uh the chapter the man who desired gold. It was of the charioteer Banshir. Is the, the it's the uh, uh, chapter I, I personally remember most clearly because while reading it, I thought that hey, why not I I make this into sort of a, a series which I could read out because it will help me and hopefully it can help people. Um, the most important takeaway from this, from the conversation between Banshir and Kobe and their eventual uh, realization that they need to go to Arkad, who was the subject of the book, The Richest Man in Babylon was that we need to become wealthy. And in order for us to know that, we need to find out from someone who has, who has the experience. And we shouldn't uh, steal from him and resort to thievery of any kind, but we should learn from him, use collaborative advantage. And they gather a group of friends and went there to learn from this man. Um, and one, and in the next chapter, they met the richest man in Babylon, hence the name of the chapter and the name of the book is the same. And Arkad told them that I was never lucky. Uh, I, although people may assume that of, of people who have lived to be very wealthy, especially in one generation, that they must be lucky in some sort of way. Um, and he explains through his own trajectory of becoming a, a tradesman that uh, he had to trust his people with trust people with his wealth, and in the first two situations, in the first two times, it didn't pan out the way Arkad hoped for. But uh, throughout all, he learned one simple trick, which um, Algamish, the money lender, had had explained to him. And Algamish is at least money lenders are are important in this story. Uh, was that, and it's a very simple lesson that rings through throughout throughout this book, which is a part of all you earn is yours to keep. A part of all you earn is yours to keep, whether that's a salary that comes to you at regular intervals, whether that's an income that you get from your business. A part of everything that you earn is always yours to keep. Do not ever forget that. How much? Well, well this is for you to decide. But in this book, one lesson is, is it's very clear, at least one-tenth of whatever you earn, you should save it, you should keep it, and if you deem it worthy, you should invest it. But at least one-tenth of whatever you earn, whatever that amount is, if it's incredibly high, incredibly low, one-tenth, and if it's possible for you to sacrifice one-tenth for, 
for your long term goals for your tomorrow for a better tomorrow something that you certainly must um, try to ensure that was the second lesson um sorry the second was the lesson in the second part of 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 the um of the of the, of the second episode and the second chapter third chapter was the seven cures for a lean purse which is a series of cures that are card imparted on 100 men who gathered in the uh, temple of wisdom in order for them to learn how arkar the richest man of babylon became the richest man of babylon now one of the cures is start thy purse to fattening in order to get a fat purse you need to start you need to start somewhere right uh, wherever you are whatever you do always start your purse to fattening and in this the previous uh, lesson that we've learned does come in handy for each 10 coins you put in spend part 9 spend only 9 one tenth of yours keep it for yourself the second cure is control thy expenditure how can you do this one of the ways to do this is to have a budget to record everything that comes in and goes out and is to record what you spend it on whether those are luxurious needs whether those are immediate needs whether those are preventable whatever or at least replaceable in terms of lowering the quality um our card calls it necessary expenses and desires right and it's also in desires there are those desires that you need to have those desires that you can do without the third cure is make thy gold multiply another important principle of this entire book is gold should work for you the children of gold should work for you the children of children's gold should work for you everyone should work for you the way you can do this is in the form of investments wherever you deem it fit if you want to go for equity go for it debt go for it commodities gold go for it crypto go for it whatever you deem fit i am not here to tell you what's right what's wrong i am just here to tell you it is better to have no money in investments rather than keep it in any other form whether that is in uh cash in 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 the bank or cash under your mattress wherever make thy gold multiply make your money multiply make your money work for you uh lesson in the book reads to put each coin to laboring that it may reproduce its kind even as the flocks of the field and help bring to the income a stream of wealth that shall flow constantly into thy purse the fourth cure is guard thy treasures from loss always protect your principal protect what you put in make sure it's safe and if it is safe only if it's safe will it multiply because you need something that is safe in order to multiply the fifth cure is make of thy dwelling a profitable investment now this is again an a, a contentious topic but i i think it brings true where one must live eventually live rent free in an own space and make that as a profitable investment whether you see that as the same great if not another opinion can definitely be welcome because after all it's not me who's making the financial decisions for you it's you the sixth cure is ensure ensure a future income therefore make sure that whatever you are doing whatever you're keeping aside can be used at a time where if things go wrong you can have a source of income to rely upon whether that's in in the form of a pension or retirement fund some income giving investments uh, like dividend paying stocks or uh, bonds with high yields anything of that sort if there's anything that can 
accrue to you over periods of time even if you don't work that's great even if it's something that you leave aside for instance a good thumb rule is 6 to 12 months of salary should always be locked in, in the bank um uh so that when you take a hiatus or a holiday or something like that uh you can rely on that and use it to survive the seventh cure the final cure of this part is increase the ability to earn another important point which i came across especially this weekend is a lot of us keep hampering and scampering for uh, how do i save this or that how do i get a discount code how do i get like an affiliate link or something like that but in, if you have the ability to increase your marginal returns whether that's 1x 2x 3x that extra pinch of that discount code will not really hurt you that much so increasing the ability to earn whether that's increasing your income streams whether that's increasing your investment opportunities whatever it is it is an incredibly important lesson which uh, i myself am trying to apply and i hope that uh, anyone listening to this also comes across this as well um so i'll just go through the the seven cures one by one without uh, wasting any time with the explanation for each 10 coins i put in spend part 9 do not spend more than 9 tenths make money work for you safety of principle liquidity interest own thy home and control thy savings protect your family's future income while you can skills wisdom respect cultivate them and multiply your wealth The next chapter is meet the goddess of good luck. Now, this question is 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 this chapter revolves around the question: Is there a way to attract good luck? And um, this revolves around again the story of Arkad, who in this case uh, was speaking to a large group of men who were talking about the importance of luck in situations of gaining wealth over the long run and. the large part of the the chapter revolves around around the the notion that luck is attracted or the goddess of luck is attracted to people who find action or the and the people who apply action in the long run um and alcard says this in 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 the chapter he says i learned that to attract good luck to oneself it is necessary to take advantage of opportunities always put yourself in opportunities where you can earn something you can gain something whether that's experience income opportunities whatever right always put yourself in those in those situations and good luck inevitably will find you there's a there's a saying which i'm going to horribly uh, miss say and don't know who to attribute it to but it goes by it goes something like this the harder i work the luckier i get and that is essentially a synopsis of this entire chapter and i don't think um, i can say it any better than that uh the next chapter is the five laws of gold in this um our card our card sort of teaches um uh, uh our card teaches this to his son namasir who is who has to prove that he is a tradesman and can take over um our card's land and property and He, and in order for him to do that he sent him away in order to gain wealth and he came back with, and he learned five laws of gold which are as follows gold cometh gladly and increasing quantity to any man who will put not less than 1/10th of his earnings 
to create an estate for his future and that of his family. This combines two of the seven cures that we've seen, which is to not spend more than nine-tenths of your income, save one-tenth, and the other is ensure a future income. The second law of gold is, gold laboreth or labors diligently and contently for the wise owner who finds for it profitable employment, multiplying even as the flocks of the feed. Gold always works for someone who works for gold. Therefore, if you want your investment to work for you, you need to work hard and always supplant your investment more and more and more in order to be able to compound it over a long period of time. The third law of gold reads, gold clings to the protection of the cautious owner who invests it under the advice of men, wise in its handling. If you do not have the know-how to invest your gold, always seek someone who knows um, the know-how. And, and, uh, but also do not be blind to anything that they tell you have some sort of competence, whether it's just surface level competence, you know, what increases my investment, what decreases my investment, when should I put where and how, uh, the exact nature of the investments in, for instance, the exact nature of the kind of stocks, the exact nature of the kind of debt instruments, the exact nature of the funds can be left to someone else. Um, but identify the right funds at the start, make sure you're not paying a lot for it, make sure you allocate a certain amount every, month, every quarter, et cetera. Make sure you do not hesitate in its while withdrawing it or deviating from it for at least two to five years. And third, the fourth law of gold, sorry, is gold slippeth away from a man who invested in businesses or purposes which he is not familiar or which are not approved by those skilled in its keep. Another important point here is that if anyone is from, from promising you uh, significant like unbelievable returns is probably unbelievable for a reason and you should not believe it and you should not put your money in it do not get let greed guide you especially when it comes to money and and this rings true in the fifth point as well in fact more so in the fifth and the fourth gold flees the man who would force it to impossible earnings or who followeth the alluring advice of tricksters and schemers or who trusts to his own inexperience and romantic desires in investment. These are the five learned uh, rules, laws that Namasir learned and came back with. And in this, he replaced not just a bag of gold, he, he, he replaced not just one bag of gold that he was given with, with one, he replaced it with three. And, um, and, and the clay tablet he, uh, in, in which on which the five laws were written or worth two sacks of gold rather than just one in order to emphasize that experience and information and knowledge is more important than just gold. That was the fifth, uh, the, 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 the five laws of gold, the chapter. The next chapter is called the Gold Lender of Babylon. And this revolves around a spear maker called Rodan, who is in a dilemma because he, in fact, it's a, it's a funny dilemma because he has chanced upon money that he has never seen because he has, uh, built spears for the king himself and in order to know where to spend it he goes to the money lender he, whose name is escaping me at this moment um, but he goes to the money lender and he Araman her husband okay Araman was the person who um, Mathon the money lender Mathon the money lender there was a money lender named Algamish and there was a money lender named Mathon. Mathon is the more frequent in the story. He goes to Mathon in order to understand how much or what should I do with this money because he's in a dilemma. 
his sister's husband needs some money in order to start his merchant business but he's unsure whether he should give him that money so he goes to a person who literally manages money and multiplies it over a long period of time and through introspection he realizes that there are certain things i really need to understand when putting my money or lending my money to someone at least in the form of a debt right because i don't own anything therefore i don't own equity um one of the things was collateral right um what is the collateral that uh, araman who is his sister's husband is giving in order to use the wealth in whatever way he he, he wants um uh, that's important um this always make sure that whatever you're loaning out has some sort of collateral which means any amount or any asset that in the case the lender uh, sorry the borrower cannot repay the lender can uh, liquidate in order to realize this investment which simply means if if i cannot repay the loan you who have given me the money can take my car house watch whatever we have i have staked sell it get the money and pay it back uh, generally the asset that you stake is significantly worth more than uh, the money that you receive that is incredibly important he explained this point through several stories through stories of people who have taken the money and never given it back people who have shied him for a long period of time people who have taken the money and given it back significantly earlier because he trusts their character and through this experience he knows exactly what to um what to ask and he tells them certain he tells rodon the spear maker certain important questions that he must ask um for instance do you know where you can buy at the lowest cost do you know where you can sell at the fair price can he say yes to all of these questions if he if he does know all of these answers in order to become a merchant know where to trade know how to trade know where to supply know where to get the demand from etc then he is deserving of your money and in in, in this introspection mathon realizes that i shouldn't be so uh, uh uh i shouldn't be so i shouldn't i should exercise more caution before parting with my money especially because it's money that is a windfall that has come to me immediately and i never really planned for this and i should not hesitate to say no because better a little caution than a great regret always make sure that you aren't greedy with your money especially in a situation where friends and family need it make sure for whatever reason you protect your principal get some collateral ask the right questions know where it's going know how it's going know when it will be repaid to you make sure that the person's handling is not inept and most importantly remember these words better a little caution than a great regret seven chapter was titled the walls of babylon and it revolved it's a it's a fairly short chapter um and it was around uh, it 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 spoke about old banzar who was uh, one of the guards of babylon and at the time the many armies were with the king far away in the east on the great exped- expedition against the elamites and the walls of babylon were continuously subject to attacks by uh, by the syrians i think and everybody was worried the only protection that they had was the walls and se- several people came to old banzar and said um, my my wife is sick my my husband is away my 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 father is unwell 
how do I take care of people, especially in this situation when there's death all around us? He kept reassuring them that the walls will hold, the walls will hold. He says, this is how he consoles the little one. The walls of Babylon will protect you and your mother and little brother and the babies. It was there for the safety of such as you that the good queen Semiramis built them over a hundred years ago. Never have they been broken through. And eventually upon the fifth night of the fourth day, fourth week, a clamor without diminished. The first streaks of daylight illuminating the plains disclosed great clouds of dust raised by the retreating enemies. The walls of Babylon signifies any sort of protection that you need to have at all times. It should withstand all sorts of attacks, especially when important principles are away working for your investment. The takeaway from this chapter is in these following words. We cannot afford to be without adequate protection. Never can we afford to be without adequate protection. The eighth chapter is the camel trader of Babylon. It revolved around Tarkard, who Tarkard, the son of Azur, who was hungrier than ever before. He had debt debt payments in order to uh, fulfill. Therefore, he couldn't afford to take even more debt and, and satisfy his hungry uh, tummy. He went across to the inn and met Dabasir, sorry, Dabasir, the camel trader. Dabasir called him in, did not give him food. He ordered a, a leg of some, some animal, some meat uh, in order to satisfy. And he started drumming up a story um, while the hungry uh, Tarkad was sitting in front of him. And, and in this, the tale, everybody in the, in, in the, in the, in the um, inn sort of pulled their chairs up to listen to him. And um, the tale that he recited was how he was a slave in Syria and eventually became a wealthy camel trader in Babylon several years later. It revolved around several things. The most important was he craved, he craved having a good time. And in order to have a good time, he took up a lot of debt. Um, and that did not prove good for him, and as it does for everyone. Um, his business failed. He took to he took to uh, um, um, he, his business failed in Babylon. His wife left him. He did not know what to do. He took to thievery. First, he was successful. Second, he was caught. He was um, sold as a slave to as in the form of a eunuch, um, and. There, he, he, he was into a family where there were four women. One of them was a person, was, was a lady named Sira, the first wife of the merchant who eventually bought him. And she was fairly not as uh, inhumane as the rest, so to speak. And, uh, and uh, she needed a camel herder or a camel trainer or someone who could sort of feed the, the camels in various trips that, uh, that Sira and the rest of the wives would take. Uh, Dabasir, who has had some experience in handling camels, took up this opportunity and she told him very clearly that she asked him one question that, that, that really changed his mind. She said, are you a free man or are you a slave? Um, he said, I am a free man, but right now I am in a predicament which I can't get out of. She said that, Stay a slave in Syria if you if you think you are one, you weakling. He said, I am not a weakling, then prove it. 
She said, does not thy great king fight his enemies in every way he can with every force he has? Thy deaths are thy enemies. They ran thee out of Babylon, you left them alone, and they grew too strong for thee. Had thou fought them a man, thou couldst have conquered them and been one honored among the townspeople. And this rang true in him for several days. One fine day, Sira said that he had she had to go because she had to she had to travel to her mother's uh, village because she was very sick. For that, she needed the basir. And in the middle of the night, she told the basir to make his escape, uh, and the basir did. But the sole objective to go back to Babylon, pay back his debt one by one, get back all his money that he that he had to. Uh, that he owed the people, build build his practice, get back his wife, and live once more again. And in this, he found out that if there is determination in any way, you will prevail. Where the determination is, the way can be found. Is the last lines of, of this particular chapter. These are the lines. The Basir, who had some amount of money owed to him by Tarkar, told very clearly that it is not. It is not simply something that we can let go of. This is something that eats away at the very part of us that is human because debt is in the form of an ownership. You don't own what you do. The person who has lent you the money does. Whether that person is a bank, whether that person is a friend, whether that person is a family, always look to repay whatever you have owed. Ninth chapter is titled The Clay Tablets from Babylon. And this is, is, is in the form of a three-parter the first and third part is a letter written in 1934 and 1936. Um, this is a letter written by Mr. Shrewsbury, who found a tablet, who received the tablet at the Department of Archaeology in, in Nottingham. Um, in the tablet, several lessons were written on how one can employ simple tricks, simple tips uh, to save their money. Um, there were five tablets, and I'll just read out the quick important points of the tablet, which was... Um, which was from a man, which was from the man who we met in the previous chapter, Dabasid, who, this is the journey that he followed. He documented this on the tablet of how he transformed his life from a slave to a rich camel trader in Babylon, a rich merchant, and paid back all his debts. And this is a similar predicament that has unfortunately befallen Mr. Shrewsbury. And he looks to this for a plan in order to, to secure it. Um, so the first one was that he needed to, uh, to he needed to follow an exact plan to gain back his self-respect and pay off his debt. Um, now, and the second part of the plan was to support his family, provide cloth and food. That was detailed in tablet number one. Tablet number two, he wrote down exactly how much he owed to whom. He wrote, for instance, Sinjar, the couch maker, one silver. Haran said, the jewel maker, six, six silver, two copper, etc. In tablet number three, he wrote down the total amount of money that he owed people. And he met them one by one and said that, look, I owe this much to everybody. Uh, I can't pay them all at once because I'm earning far less, but this is how much I earn. I will make sure that from my expenditure, a certain amount will be used to pay back you, whoever needs it immediately, whoever owe, who I've owed for the longest period of time. And this is something that you have to deal with, right? In the form of a race, in the form of a weight, in the form of a goal, you have to finish the race, you have to lift the weight, you have to finish the goal. Um, therefore, a debt is something that you have to pay back. 
tablet number number four reads um the plan allowed him to keep whatever the plan was one thing he was determined which again is an important part of the entire chapter and the entire book is one tenth i have kept aside to keep as my own seven tenths have i divided with my good wife to pay for our living two tenths that i divided among my creditors as evenly as could be done in coppers the good was that some people accepted the plan the bad was that some people were were thinking that this is too small a money uh, too small an amount to be paid back and this is too long a period that i will not be satisfied some of them were wanted to take up legal action but um, some of them agreed that what he's doing is right instead of running away and not paying my debt he is he is paying it back which is more than most people do and he's very honest um tablet number 5 details at the end of 12 the 12 moons he had paid back all his debt and and um and 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 he wrote that what once a piece of soft clay to be pressed and molded by any hand that touched thee but now thou art a piece of bronze capable of holding an edge the lesson he learned was this i do commend it all who wish to get ahead for truly it will enable an ex slave to pay his debts and i have gold in his purse will it not aid any man to find independence in the reply two years later mr shrewsbury said that he had followed the exact plan that the bastard had written down several centuries earlier and he 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 had to pay back a lot of debt uh, him and his wife he made the plan he divided his income into two tenths paid back the and the rent uh, sorry the, the debt seven tenths to pay or pay for all the living and they sort of reduced their expenditure by decreasing the quality of what they what they what they consumed whether it's the food that they ate the entertainment in which they the in entertainment that they seek etc and one tenth of whatever they have was so to speak gold to jingle and this actually worked he says very clearly there is there there is a most gratifying sense of security to know our investment is growing steadily difficult to believe yet absolutely true all our debts being gradually paid and at the same time our investment increasing we are determined never again to permit our living expenses to exceed 70% of our income he said very clearly tabasser knew he knew he had been through it all he wanted others to benefit from his own bitter experiences that is why he spent tedious hours carving his message upon the clay and uh, not to draw the similar lines of, of excursion but i hope that this has also um, this is also given you some sort of lesson in order to how to build a budget a financial plan to know that this is possible maybe not immediately but certainly a year from now as it was true for mr shrewsbury uh, can be true for you as well the 10th chapter was is titled the luckiest man in babylon and i believe it is the final chapter i'm just checking yes it is it is it is the the final chapter of the book um and it revolves around <coughs> two 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 uh, people sharunada the merchant prince of babylon and uh, the grandson of hadan nala who was his partner the grandson's name was arad gula hadan gula sorry and um and in this this particular chapter revolved around these two uh, sharunada and arad gula uh, traveling to babylon by camel 
and uh, the the youth was very exuberant and wanted everything his way and he didn't want to sort of spend any time working for it in fact he said work is for slaves it's not for me i am i am living off of my inheritance and i continue to do so but i want to know how you have become so wealthy give me essentially he asked for a cheat code um how do i do that and and sharunada was not very impressed by this in fact he took the, took it upon himself to use the example of his arad gulas uh, grandfather and his business partner arad gula in order to explain to him why work is something that one must do and in order to explain to him he narrated a story which he went through several years before uh, and how he transformed from a slave in syria <laughs> slave in syria and uh, became a wealthy man uh, in babylon slave in damascus and healthy man in ba- wealthy man in babylon um when he was uh, like many slaves at that point there was a time when uh, they were auctioned away and before they were auctioned he had a good friend and a bad friend the good friend's name was megidio the farmer he told him very clearly uh, you have to you have to work hard no matter what you do whatever master you get work he could offer in plenty and work should be done in plenty therefore one must work as hard as possible wherever he can another another person the bad voice was named zabardo the pirate who who said very clearly i am not going i am not one to work for a master i will do what i want and i will not succumb to orders um what they realized was that um what they realized was that as they were walking into the merchant in the slave market in order to be bought by merchants um there were two possibilities one is they could be bought by private merchants which is merchants who would use it for their own trades uh, other was they would be bought by public merchants which is essentially the king and the king the current project that the king was on was uh, to make the walls around babylon and that was incredibly tragedy saw people falling and dying and most of the slave labor most of the most of the labor most of the architect- architecture that was built in uh, in that civilization was built on the back of slave labor uh, and many of them were was, were contracted like uh, haratkula was uh, like sharunada was sorry um he realized that first they would be going to the market and uh, therefore he wanted to impress the buyer he was eventually sold sharunada was eventually sold to a baker uh, and mikidio was also sold to another private merchant zabardo who refused to be sold to a private merchant was eventually trudged on into the um, into into the to, to, to the king's uh, slave group whatever and um, told to build the walls and eventually because he stabbed a guard uh, he was sentenced to death something which sharunada saw and uh, took him aback and um, while he was working for the for the baker he realized that he needs to earn his freedom but he was a slave it would take some time so he devised a plan which which basically meant that he would bake honey cakes um and go into the market and sell it over and above his bakery work uh baking work so he would work in the morning uh, and at the end of his work he would bake the honey cakes go into the into the market in the afternoon and sell it and and in his um uh, ag- agreement with nana nayak who, who was his master he said that one fourth of whatever i sell i keep the rest i give it to you uh, in order to pay for the merchandise merchandise and keep for yourself 
and he was working his way up and he 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 kept meeting a man who was also working with a black slave who uh, uh um wanted to know exactly what uh the uh, the uh, who wanted to know what exactly this particular process was about how one can escape slave them by by <clears throat> working hard on his or her own and in order to do that um in order to do that what happened was uh he spoke to him sharuna and this particular person was in fact uh, uh hadan kula the the person who, who who eventually became his business partner and he told them very clearly that um the spirit that you have is really great but it might eventually die out at, at some point but and in fact one day when he was selling um selling cake honey cakes in the market hadan gula told him that he was he was also he's also a slave and he was also getting out of this predicament uh, by working hard and working to pay for his own freedom but off late he decided that in order to he feels vulnerable being free and in order to be contracted by a not so bad master was fine and and freedom was not worth it and in this con and sharunada told him that you've had this goal for a very long time you worked hard for it you've earned the money and you're doing a damn good job at it so why don't you just push a little bit more and eventually get out of this predicament because this is this is this is not what you want and you can definitely be a merchant and in this 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 stock gave him so much of a hype that he eventually um, became a free man and his goal was to take him and his wife back to uh babylon and from damascus and uh become a free man and settle there and and start the reputation that he was a free man and not a slave um while this was going on nanana who was uh, sharunada's uh, master was heavily indebted and because he took to gambling and he staked his own slave uh, sharunada and uh and that eventually led to him being uh, sold off to to the quarries right to some sort of mining gig that he had where no matter how hard he worked he was never the 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 the, the uh, master was never satisfied and kept pounding him and in order even though he was so he worked so hard not to be differentiated there was no way to work harder than the rest there was no uh, way to earn extra money there was no way to buy himself out of freedom and the money that he did earn from his days of selling honey cake he sort of dug into he dug a hole in the ground actually and threw his sack in and that was that was quite quite it was a time when sharunada thought that there's no way i can get out of this i'm contracted here forever and i might even end up in the same way as abado did but one fine day someone uh, called him and said that his he has been bought by another slave master and when he when he went to see who that master was he found out it was hadan gula and um, Adan Gula not just bought him, but took the clay tablet, which signified the ownership that Sharunada was his slave and trashed it, threw it onto the onto the stone and, and and broke it, and and told him that that you are the reason why I am not a slave. That if I wasn't for you, if I did not meet you in the in the market, um, you would not have uh, convinced me, and I would still be working for my master. Therefore, my gift to you is freedom. and we will go together to babylon and set up a, an empire um and set up a business and this is the this is the lesson that he imparted to hadan gulas grandson arab gula and uh, the lesson was very clearly 
in the following words, make work your best friend. These were the 10 chapters, several lessons that we learned from uh, The Richest Man in Babylon from, from George S. Klassen's wonderful book. I hope this was some sort of help for you. <laughs> I hope uh, in, in, this, in this journey, which you've been a part of for one episode, half an episode, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, uh, you've learned something. I certainly have, and I certainly hope to do this uh, a lot more with several other books. Um, I really, really hope this helps, and I really hope we can we can uh, do several books this way, break it down, understand what what the points are, and, and more importantly, most importantly, uh, implement it into our own lives. That's it from me, Akash. That's it from this book, The Richest Man in Babylon. I hope you liked it, and I'm out. Thanks.